everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me tonight, we have Dalton Bishop. What's going on? Doing all right. And we also have Christian Ernst. What is up, y'all? Oh, very exciting uh, episode in store, and you'll see why when we get there. Um, you know, let's just dive right in. NBA playoffs, it's been a blast so far. I've definitely enjoyed it. And we'll start, let's just start out west. Kind of like how we've been doing the last few episodes. We start west, go east. Uh, with Denver and Phoenix. And, you know, Denver, uh, you know, they were the one seed for the entire season. Not the entire, but they were the one seed entering the playoffs. So they obviously matched up better. Phoenix, when they traded for KD, all the odds makers shifted the gears to make Phoenix the uh, favorite out west. Second favorite for the net for the uh, NBA title behind the Celtics, according to these odds at the time. And people bought into the KD hype, and rightly so. But I think the series showed there's literally no depth on the uh, the Suns. I know Dahl was very critical of the uh, Suns' lack of depth uh, this year. Uh, but yeah, game, I mean, it was 2-2 after... Um, through four games when Chris Paul didn't even play another game. Uh, game five, he goes to Denver and, you know, Denver takes that 118-102. And then game six, another was actually stunning to see this. I should have been stunned given how last year ended too. Because last year you had game seven, conference semifinals, Phoenix taking on Dallas, and you have Dallas just blows out uh, Phoenix on the road. And, and let me say, yeah, the Suns, and that Suns team was a number one overall seed out West. They were a really good team, just defending Western Conference champions. Now fast forward to this year, and you have the same kind of thing goes on. This time, game six, but you're on your home court, Phoenix. And, you know, Devin Booker is on both Suns teams. And uh, DeAndre Aiden on both Suns teams. Now, Katie's new to the fold. But there's you still have pieces that were on last year's roster that I mean Chris Paul was injured, so I'll cut him some slack with this series. I mean, you can blame him, you know, his injury, and that's probably a factor where they lost, but they won two straight immediately after he was injured. So I don't even know where that blame is there. I mean, Denver just assert their dominance that game. And the second straight year, Phoenix closed the year out at home, losing by twenty-five this year. I've Beat the exact margin last year, but it was a blowout at home. And from your crowd, I guess an embarrassing couple years if you're a Phoenix there. Uh, Dole, anything you want to add to the uh, the Phoenix Suns and Denver series? Yeah, I'm stupid for picking Phoenix to win that series. You know, I'm an old hypocrite. You know, I I can't listen to my own advice. Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> that I really do. I say one thing and then I turn around and get influenced by something else and it just completely wrecks my entire way of thinking. But um to this series, I think um, you know, Spence, you mentioned I said I said when the trade went down, I was like, they don't have any bench. And it people are like, oh my gosh, this makes them total contenders and blah 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 blah. I'm like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like the teams that advanced they have benches. They have bench players that, you know, they go eight, nine, ten deep. 
the Nuggets, I think they literally play 10 players every game. Or if not 10 players, maybe like eight, nine. Um, the, having a bench matters. I mean, rely on your star players. And I think that's something when people saw the trade initially going back uh, earlier in the season, they just completely missed because, you know, it's all about the stars. It's all about the stars, which proves to me that with, you know, the Nuggets beating the crap out of the Suns is that it's not all about the stars. It's more than that. So I think this one doesn't really shock me. Um, uh, and, you know, I will say that Denver completely earned it. You know, they were they were one of the best teams all year. And, you know, they came in and they did what they were supposed to do. They took care of business. And that's how a team should play. Um, I think you're supposed to be one of the best teams. And you show that you're one of the best teams. And that's what Denver did. Um I think this I think this I think this upcoming series is going to be a little bit tougher but uh regardless um you know for the you know for the Nuggets the first two rounds you know the Clippers and then uh excuse me not the Clippers uh the Timberwolves and the Suns you were the, you were the better team and you did what you were supposed to do that's that's really all you can ask for as you know, a fan or, you know, coach, uh, player like the ownership. Um, when we're watching these games, guys, I mean, it's worth noting teams that are really good. They go in and especially in playoff time, they go in and they do what they're no funny business. There's no, you know, we're going to keep them around for a little while just because. No, you just you just do it. Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of, I'm not really going analytical with this series, but I feel like, you know, from, you know, from like the heart, like a very opinionated perspective, I feel like Denver just owned this series essentially. Yep. Uh, Chris, anything you want to add on the uh, the Suns uh, falling in six games to the Denver Nuggets? Well, my preseason predictions absolutely sucked because I thought Memphis and Phoenix would be two of the more dominant teams in the playoffs. And, in fact, the two teams went through those that are in the Western Conference Finals, uh, Nuggets and Lakers. But I think Phoenix, I was too high on them just because I thought, okay, we've seen before where – if they just have your three to four dominant players, you don't need to have the greatest bench of all time to, you know, at you know to go far into the playoffs. And Denver is just well oiled. That you know, Jokic shouldn't have to be, you know, dropping forty every single night to give this team a chance. They have great players like Porter, like Gordon, and others, and it really makes Denver dominant and scary. Um, I thought with KD, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, on paper, it's like, wow, that's a great three-headed monster. But injuries to Chris Paul, early injuries to KD, not getting the chemistry right, you know, it does sting 
that Phoenix has been so close for a while. And uh, once again, they couldn't uh, get further than you know, they were the last couple of years. So it, it you know, stings for Phoenix. And now, you know, they're possibly, possibly going to trade away Chris Paul, see what they can get out of that deal get some more rotation guys. Who's going to join Phoenix? I think they're going to keep, they're going to try and keep Katie and Devin, but who else are going to add into that squad? And it could be a contender uh, once again in the West next year, but for Denver, Jokic is on another level. Um, you know, Porter is doing really well. Really Denver is just in the prime position to make it to the finals and possibly even win the entire thing. So, it, it really does sing for Phoenix because new ownership and, you know, a whole bunch of drama over there. But for Denver, they're advancing, and they have a really good chance to be crowned the champs this year. Yeah, I mean, and also you kind of lose, like, like Phoenix, they have new ownership. And uh, Matt Ishmael decided, you know, just a few months on the job, like literally day one of the job, he's swinging the Kevin Durant trade. Now into the season, comes around – and he's firing Monty Williams. Monty Williams has been terminated from the Phoenix Suns. It's a really weird dynamic now that um, I know a lot of our listeners probably don't follow hockey that closely. But like hockey, it seems from my limited hockey like following, there's the revolving door at coaches. Like the UCT teams make the Cup final one year, and the next year they're firing their head coach. Like middle of the season. Like hockey, it seems like it's a very short shelf life. And now basketball, it seems like it's turning that way here. And I'm not going to say I don't understand what happened there. Like, Ishbio came in. He probably wants to bring his guy, quote-unquote, in. You see this in, like, other sports where, you know, like a team brings a new GM and a new head coach. It's like, hey, like, some positions, some players, they're, you know, susceptible to being cut or traded because they want to get their own guys in there. And it's unfortunate because, like, when money – Williams took over the Suns. They were horrible. They were one of the worst teams in the league. Um, you know, they were always picking high in the draft. Then he comes in. It's 2019-20 year. Um, you know, COVID hits, but Phoenix gets invited back to the bubble. Uh, they go undefeated in the bubble, but they missed the playoffs because they were just a half a game away from, I believe it was Portland or Memphis, one of those two teams. So they had qualifying for that play-in game that they had that year. Um, Phoenix uses that momentum. They build on it. You know, they have the, one of the best records in the league the next year. Make it to the NBA Finals. Go up 2-0 before falling to Milwaukee. Um, then last year, like I said, best record in the league, 64-18. Game 7 at home in the conference semifinals. Dallas is blitzing you. And they are just Larry Luka and Jalen Brunson. Like, those are the two guys I have at the time. I mean, obviously got five, but you know what I mean. Then this year, Phoenix, same situation. You have KD, you have Devin Booker, and you're getting blown out at home in game seven or game six of this year, conference semifinals. I, if, if I was Ishbia, if I was in, like, Phoenix's shoes, I'd probably bring him back for one more year because there's no harm in that necessarily. Um, I understand why, though. Like, you get blown out at home nonetheless – two straight years, then, yeah, someone needs to probably be blamed for that. And it's easy to blame the head coach, not the players. So it's easy to change the coaches. Um, and Monty, he's been a successful coach. Even in his 
days with the uh, New Orleans, then Hornets, and then they changed to the Pelicans while he was their head coach. Uh, he made the playoffs twice, though, his first year and his last year there, and they got swept, so they changed gear. Um, and I, get, I hope he get bounced back on his feet. Someone will probably hire him if he wants to get hired uh, this offseason. I know he said he wants to take time with his family. Uh, and if you don't remember, in 2016, when he was an assistant coach with the Oklahoma State Thunder, his wife tragically died in a car accident. So it's been, you know, that's been a long time since that happened. It's still, I mean, losing a spouse has to um, be devastating to him. And so, again, I don't mind him taking time with his family. If he wants to get back into coaching this year, I'm sure even like Milwaukee, who defeated him in the finals, they fired their coach Mike Boonhoser two weeks ago. If they were to be really ironic for them to bring in the guy that they defeated in the conference in the NBA finals, excuse me, that year. Um, but yeah, Monty should have no shortage of, of suitors uh, should he decide that he wants to get back into coaching right again, right away next season. Um, but like I was telling you guys earlier this week in our text messages, there is a lot of NBA free agent, for lack of a better word, coaches out there. Um, that like there's a few openings that. These coaches will make some organization very proud, I believe. Uh, but Dalton, your thoughts, uh, reaction when you saw Monty Williams was being fired by the Phoenix Suns? Um, kind of, sort of like the same thing. Um, just you know, it's a business, and I guess uh, you know, you gotta. It's just one of those one of those things that. Um, you gotta move on. Um, it's just, it's just how it's gonna be. Um, and, and you know, I feel like he'll probably get a job somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I really don't have anything else. All right, Christian, anything you want to add on the uh, Monty Williams firing? I've said this when it first came out. I think it it was a terrible move in my eyes. I understand that, you know, new ownership and they want their guy and they want a new voice in the room and it's their voice and yada, yada. Um, even though I do not, res- you know, I don't like it. I'll respect it. But, I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of it. But Budenhoser was the same thing where these two – coaches coach against each other in the NBA finals two years ago and they're both out of a job because they failed to meet expectations you know Phoenix had a fun year Monty and Phoenix did the best they could with four guys and no bench you know but the Bucks, same thing is you know they had a really good team you know playoff Jimmy just ran wild I'm, I think Phoenix, you know, whoever, depending on who they hire, they could get worse because I think Monty sparked, sparked in a flame in Phoenix that made it like, oh, wow, Phoenix, like the culture here is going to be really well. And it's going to be a culture that is going to bring in free agents, going to bring in guys like a Chris Paul. It's going to keep guys in like Devin and, and Aiton. You know, Kevin Durant, he had really no say in it, 
but he got traded to Phoenix. And it's not like he didn't want to play. He felt that Monty was making a great culture. So it's tough for Phoenix. Well, tough for us to digest that Phoenix is, you know, getting rid of Monty this early where if you want to say, oh, his seat's a little warm. Okay. I can see that. But to fire him all together, I think it was a terrible move. Not the biggest fan of it. Obviously, it's not going to change tomorrow, but Phoenix better make a home run hit with their head coach and, you know, do well in free agency, do well in the draft, and get guys in the building that can make Phoenix a champion contender because they were super close the last couple of years, just missed the mark this year. So, you know, we shall see what happens uh, here on, but I just do not like the move at all. Yeah, and we're again, we all can have our opinions on this movie again. It was definitely out of left field when it happened on a Saturday night. Uh, but anyway, on to some other series because, uh, again, there were three other conference semifinals to get to. The Lakers and the Warriors. The Warriors took game five. It was 3-1 Lakers. Warriors take game five at the Chase Center. Then the series shifts to L.A. for game six. And... LA got the job done. You're playing at home. That's game six. You're, you were up 3-1. You blew game five. Now you have game six, and they just dominate start to finish that game. Um, yeah, like It was a 10-point halftime lead. Third quarter, just, again, more of the same. And, again, the Lakers are showing that, like, when LeBron is on fire, when AD is on fire, like, they are arguably the best team in the league. Even though they were a seven seed because the regular season – uh, didn't go their way, and they also they had to blow the roster, but at the All Star at the trade deadline, excuse me. Um, so the roster the Lakers are playing with now is far from the roster that started the season, and like that roster is a colossal, just a cluster. Like I, I did not expect that roster to make the playoffs, and they had to make some changes to get to the playoffs. And like I said, like even like you know the role guys like Reeves has had a very good game, so um. Game six there. You have D'Lo, who's had a really good game. Lonnie Walker's come to his own this series, too. Um, and, you know, the Lakers will take on the Denver Nuggets in the next round here. Um, and, you know, because they took a they took the series in six. Again, winning by 21 at uh, Crypto.com Arena. And, again, Lakers are a very feisty team. Like, I, I'm not going to count them out. Uh, and it would be something if they made it to the finals and LeBron gets another ring. Because he, he's tied with Curry at four right now. And if LeBron was to get to the finals and win it, it'd be his fifth ring um, in his illustrious career there. Uh, to Dalton we go. Dalton, your thoughts on the Lakers taking the series against Golden State? Thank God. Thank the Lord above. I'm just so happy that happened. You know, I just... It was like one of the only series I actually got right. And, you know, I felt pretty good, you know, the entire time. I really think I had a minor celebration. And, um, you know, it's like nothing against Golden State, but, you know, it's just time. It's just, it's, it's just time. You know, I was, I, I, I really like the Lakers style of play and, you know, how they go about defensively and being able to score on the offensive end as well. And, you know, to be quite frank, um, 
I think the Warriors' three-point shooting tactic is kind of lame. They got they got bounced. Okay, it's you know, four titles in eight years. That's cool. That's fine. That's that's fine. The league wasn't ready for it. Guess what? I think they are now. Um, and you know, I think you know, um, the Lakers are were just the better team. They were the more complete team and um, not as one dimensional as Golden State seemed to be. So that's that's why I picked the that's why I picked the Lakers to win the series. And uh, it, it fared well for for all Lakers fans. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the Lakers taking down the Warriors in six games. It wasn't a shock to me. Uh, I did pick the Lakers to win, I assume. I forget at this moment. But I did think the Lakers were going to win just because how handedly they handled Memphis Grizzlies. And, like, LeBron is playing at a very high level. AD every other game is playing at a high level. And these teams just really run on, can Steph Curry drop 50 a game? And can John Morant, when they played in the Grizzlies series, can he drop 50 a game? Because it wasn't a consistent... Uh, they weren't as consistent with Clay Thompson and Draymond. Obviously, wasn't you know going to be the guy. Uh, Jordan Poole, even though he did well, he still wasn't you know being that you know consistent rotational player. And the Lakers are just dominating like they have been with King James. They can do anything they want, and it doesn't have to be LeBron to be the main guy. AD is going to come in every once in a while. There's going to be, you know, D'Angelo's going to make a shot or two when they need it. Um, They're going to do very well, and it's not just a one- to two-person dominating trip. It can be anybody on any given night. So I think the Lakers are still doing very well. I still think Anthony Davis is going to put up a performance that's very good and keeps them in a game, but the next game he may not. He may only drop 10 a game. So, do that inconsistency, I don't know how well they're going to do in this series, but beating the Warriors, who at one point was the greatest dynasty of our generation, obviously we weren't alive for the Chicago Bulls, and even though the Spurs dynasty was kind of a roller coaster, Miami wasn't really a you know tremendous dynasty when they were at the top of their game 2005 and when LeBron was there. But Golden State was, okay, they won championships by themselves, you know, that core group. They won with KD. They won when he left. So, you know, the Warriors are going to be an all-time dynasty. And AJ has shown, like, they're not going to go right into the sunset where everybody is a winner. So, for the Lakers, they still have another title run. And they could make this Western Conference Final a series. But, I, you know, Lakers are just going to be a very fun team to watch and competitive with Denver. All right. Shifting gears to the Eastern Conference. And, Chris, you you take it away. Miami, New York. How'd that go for you? Man, I – so, if people watch, you know, watch, listen to podcasts, I have been – very negative to my team in Miami. And the reason that is, is because when I'm negative towards it, it somehow 
useful to the team. Now, I'm not saying, like, yes, I am the reason this team is great because of my negativity. But watching game six, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to watch this game and see how they do and really kind of, like, watch our team win. Because I had high hopes for our team winning in Miami on Friday night. So we won 96-92. Very close game, back and forth. Um, you know, sometimes New York had a lead of about six. Miami had a lead of about six as well, or eight. So back and forth, and it feels like, oh, this is not going to go well. And honestly, I was kind of wrong. Like, Julius Randle was just not there for the game. Jalen Brunson, I'll say it, he's a New York Knicks savior, um, had 41 points against us. And he dominated. If Julius Randle could hit more of his shots, if our defense was not as good as Bam and Jimmy were on defensive level, it could have been a different story. And we could have watched the game seven. And it could have been different. But playoff Jimmy was still a very, very good uh, game for him. You know, he was 7 of 22, 0 for 3, but it's still team led 24 points. Bam had 23. Um, you know, and I think Miami really played a good, good enough game to beat the Knicks because the Knicks, I mean, they are just, they're going to be that same thing like the Warriors and the Grizzlies at a time where Jalen Brunson has to be the guy because Julius can put some points up there. We're going three from 14, not, not typical for the second best player on the New York Knicks. So for Miami, we got lucky. And I'm loving this run that we're on. You know, we had a five-game series against Milwaukee, six-game series against, in my opinion, a worse team. So could our gas be winding out? Maybe. But the fact that, A, where we were in the semifinals, and now we are in the Eastern Conference Finals is amazing. Excuse me. And, you know, my hopes are like, holy crap, Miami was an eight seed, had no trust in them, had no belief in them, and they are making it this far. And we are just one series away from the finals. It, it's truly amazing. So, you know, applause out to Miami and what a great showing these last two series against both Milwaukee and New York. Yeah, this team's just on a new level right now. It's kind of a team of destiny kind of vibes there. Uh, becoming just the second eight seed to advance to the conference finals. Only other team is the 99 Knicks in a lockout store in the year where they only played 50 games. Um, again, still an eight seed conference finals, and that team made the NBA finals actually. Very impressive. In game six, like you said, low scoring compared to like you see some high scoring games. Um, this series, and like Jimmy Butler, like I mean, he's played with guys that a lot of them were undrafted. Like, again, I made this, I think it was the Milwaukee series. I was like, I didn't even know Cody Zeller was still in the league. I thought he had, you know, I don't know retires, not the right word. I thought he was playing overseas somewhere. And he's in the rotation for a Heat team that's in the conference finals. It's going to be annoying if Cody Zeller's the one that is hitting clutch baskets to end the Boston Celtics uh, season. Uh, a little spoiler alert there. Uh, it's going to be annoying if that is the case there. Um, again, Zeller's a fine player. 
I don't get me wrong there. It's just weird. But I'll take a victory lap here. I said Heat in six before the series started. I was I did not buy into the Knicks hype. Um, I said Heat in six. That's what it was. And I'll take that victory lap there. Dalton, your reaction to Heat's upset, and I don't even I won't call it an upset. Is is on seating though? Upset over the New York Knicks. Yeah, you can put upset in quotations. Um, <clears throat> I think on paper, most people were going to pick the Miami Heat despite the seeding. We just looked at the team top to bottom. I think anybody except for myself and Christian, because he hates his team, we're going to pick the Knicks to win the series. Um, and the Heat had had previous success, okay? They did pretty well in 2020. I say pretty well, but pretty well. And you got to look at who they are as an organization. Okay, they have they're more stable, they're more stable the whole nine yards than the Knicks are. And so me picking the Knicks in seven games was kind of wishful thinking on my part. And I just wanted to ride the Knicks train until I couldn't anymore. Um but I mean congratulations to the Miami Heat. I mean that's just, you know, I think the Miami Heat gets like they don't get talked about enough as being, you know, how great of an organization they actually are. Um, you know, starting, you know, since since Pat Riley has been there in Miami, you know, it's been nothing but, you know, shocking wins, shocking for everybody except for probably Floridians and you know, um, Miami Heat players, but you know. Some say shocking wins. Some say, um, you know, titles and, you know, same coach. I mean, good. Um, I'm trying to think like, if there's anything else. But, I mean, yeah, dude, I just – it's going to be a good conference finals, I feel. And, uh, you know, I think, but also on the other side, you got to give the Knicks a credit for their, you know, good season, how it, how it, how it ended, uh, especially with, you know, who they have on their roster. It felt like, you know, most people picked the Knicks to get bounced in the first round. So the fact that they were able to make it to six games in the semifinals. Hopefully they can make some changes to their roster and get back at it next season. Hopefully go, hopefully get to the finals or to the conference finals, excuse me. Um, but yeah, yeah. Congratulations to the Heat. They, they uh, deserved it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to their performances in the uh, conference finals. All right. On to the, the final conference semifinals, the only series that went to seven games the Celtics and the 76ers. And again, last week we recorded, it was the day after game five. And game five, I'll admit, it looked very pitiful. It was one of the worst performances I've seen by the Celtics in a while. And I was very down on the, that, the team. Uh, and even game six, like partway through the game six, I'm watching it and I'm just amazed. I mean, it's a low scoring game, which usually you see low scoring games uh, for game sevens. Um, this is a rare. I mean, even the, like I said, Heat Knicks game six was low scoring. Uh, this one 95 86 final in game six, and it was you know, Tatum was awful 
for three quarters of that game, really three and a half. Then the final minute of the game, he hits four straight three pointers, uh, finishes with 19. Like he came alive in that um, late in the fourth quarter to propel Boston to a victory to force game seven. And, and I like credit to Joe Mazzillo, you know, game six, he made changes. He started Robert Williams over Derek White, which, yeah, you may look at it as like, okay, Robert's a big man, White's a guard. But, yeah, I mean, we need the big depth uh, in the front quarter to try to slow down Embiid. They also went with a seven-person rotation. Grant Williams fell out of the rotation in game six and game seven until garbage time. They, I mean, that was, you know, I mean, Missoula's a rookie head coach here. He was the interim coach for half the season. And now he's the full-time guy. He's making changes. And, you know, it helped Boston win. And in game seven, I mean, I, I fully believe that if Tatum, you know, that lat, late last four-minute stretch there in game six helped propel Tatum to a huge game seven where he dropped 51 points, breaking Steph Curry, who set the record just two weeks ago, becoming the first player to score 50 points in a game seven. And then Tatum goes, drops 51 on Mother's Day, um, 51 points, two steals, five assists, uh, 13 rebounds, and another kicker, no turnovers by Jason Tatum. Um, Yeah, 51 points and no turnovers. That's really hard to do. Uh, Boston didn't turn the ball over that much. And, I mean, again, it was half – at halftime, it was a three-point game. And then uh, Philadelphia comes out, hits a three to start the game, start the second half, excuse me. It's 55 all. And then Boston – Goes on a and again. I'm not joking when I say this. A 28 to three run to start after that after the game was tied um, to propel that lead up. And if you want, if you're into this kind of stuff, if you look at the Sixers social media page, uh, they tweeted out a video of Tobias hitting the three pointer to start the half, saying like, "Oh, great start to the second half." They then deleted that video. They never put a final score graphic out there. Earlier today, I did check. They had put out, like, one of those, um, you know, you see teams do, like, you know, thank you for our fans for, you know, a great season. This is, we came up short of our goal, et cetera, et cetera. But they never even tweeted it. They tweeted once in the second half and then delete the video because of how bad that game got. And I think it's more embarrassing not to do that. Uh, I'm also being paid to Philly because, you know, Philly-Boston, it's a rivalry. And there's some big question marks if you're Philadelphia, though. Because Embiid's never made the conference finals. Hell, the team hasn't been there since, you know, 2001. Harden's a free agent. Very well could leave. You got Tobias Harris, who I think, in my opinion, I think he's overpaid. But also, I do agree that you're worth whatever someone's going to pay you. And Philly agreed to pay him this money. But I think that there's better ways to spend your money on a guy than Tobias Harris, despite him being the leading scorer in Game 7 for Philadelphia. Like, it was a pitiful performance. Harden was single digits in Game 7. Embiid did not live up to the MVP hype. I mean, he deservedly won the MVP. I'm not trying to take that away from him because he deservedly won it with his regular season performance. Um, But unfortunately, in the playoffs, he just did not show. And um, that's why Philadelphia is on the, you know, they're going to play golf now or go to Cabo. I don't know what they're going to do. But they got to reevaluate the future here. Um, because it is coming up quickly. Like, Embiid's going to be 30 next year, and like, he's a big man who's had injury issues. You got a lot of question marks, Billy. But Boston, you know, fifth time in seven years, all of the, you know, the Jalen Brown career, 
fifth time in Jalen Brown's career that we are going to the conference finals. And now it's the third time in four years. We're playing the Miami Heat. Bring it on, Christian. We'll preview that in a second here, obviously. But Dalton, your thoughts, game seven, Cel- or not really necessarily game seven, but the Celtics coming back from a 3-2 deficit against the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, congrats- first of all, congratulations. Congratulations. I know I've I've said a bunch of uh, – we're not going to say controversial. We're going to say – you could say you could say you could say dumb from your perspective probably probably dumb um i'm going to say different um things regarding the celtics and you know how they play especially off the ball off, especially like off the pod like when you and i especially just like shoot it um but you know i think good job i mean that's that's what you're supposed to do like you philly was not supposed to have a chance Okay, there's a reason I picked them to win in four because I didn't think that Philly had a chance. So, but hey, you won in seven games. Good job. Now it's time to go do it again. It's time to go do it again. All right. If if this is it, if this is your year, this you know no more excuses, Spence. You list this. You listed the the uh, statistics. Uh, a fifth, uh, a five time, uh, a five times you made the Eastern Conference Finals. This is I'm pretty sure that's what you just said. Five times in seven years. Five times in seven years. All right, this is this is it. Okay, I'm. I, I you guys are the Boston Celtics, tie uh, title town. Okay, you got it. You got a 32 and nine record at home. Uh. This is this is the this is the this is the conference finals just like last year. You're supposed to take care of business. Okay? Don't do do not. I repeat, do not let this series go on longer than it is supposed to. I'm telling you this and you know, as I hope for I guess for both sides, you know, um this this will probably go to six or seven games. But you know, I think Boston showed that they, you know, have potential here to uh, completely blow teams out of the water, as they have for the entire season, pretty much. Uh, and so they've been here before, so it's like I don't know. I feel like. Even though people are like, oh my gosh, we've done it. It's like, let's, you know, let's get back to work. Like, this is, it's not, it's not over. I don't think Boston Celtics fans cheer for, hey, we made it to the conference finals. Woohoo. Like, 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 Spence, I really don't think you go to nights, like, like, like you go to sleep thinking, wow, what an accomplishment. Like that was peak Celtics right there. We just made it to the conference finals. Like, no, I think I think you really want a championship. Um, which I think that's I I think that's also natural. Like, especially if you're a Celtics fan or just a Boston sports fan, um, you're used to winning titles. And so anything short of that is kind of a failed season, I would say. Um I'm going to move on to 
talking specifically about Jason Tatum because I know I have gotten some big time stuff thrown my way because I said some other things <laughs> regarding um, the comparison between Tatum and <laughs> Tatum and Brown. Uh, so that being said, I want to say first off uh, that Jason Tatum had a really good, a really great game. Okay, deservedly so, deservedly so had a really great game, and I want to congratulate him on that. Um, he rose up for the game seven and definitely answered the call. Um. I wish he would do it, but regardless, he put on a heck of a, a heck of a performance when it mattered. Um, as for the Philadelphia 76ers, I mean, I don't get it. I think Jokic probably should have been MVP, but, you know, like we say, it's a regular season award. Uh, if you want my humble opinion, I don't think it should be. We can have that conversation another day. And be, I mean, that's just, you guys said it. I mean, Spence, you said it earlier, just didn't show up for the game. Like, I don't, I mean, you want to talk about getting up for a game seven. I mean, I don't, I mean, this is, this is about, I mean, this is more about Philadelphia's effort, I think. Like, I don't, I mean, you guys like to talk about how, I guess people can, you know, start out cold and it's just not their night. I've gotten to the point where I just don't believe that. I mean, they, they just, you know, you're professionals. You practice every day. You practice every day. It's literally your livelihood. It is how you make money. Uh, and the fact that the biggest game of your life, you don't show up for it. You don't play well. I just I just can't believe that. Like, that's just, um, you can't say that about the Boston Celtics team. Okay. That Jalen Brown showed up. Tatum showed up. Okay. Brogdon showed up. Um, Philly, you know, the league's own MVP didn't show up for a game seven. And I think, you know, that's something that's, you know, it's, it's going to be people, people are going to talk about it. Like, is he, like, is he, is he really most valuable if, you know, he didn't even play well uh, to what people think his standards are supposed to be, uh, according to the voters. We can put that in quotations. Um, I think Philly should probably make a couple moves. Um, there are some th- Harden might go back to Houston and that sort of thing. Uh it's just whatever. I mean, I don't really, you know, we're we're not we're not gonna dive deep into that. But I think you know, Philly, Philly gave it their all. They just didn't care about the seventh game, even though the seventh game is, you know, the one that mattered the most. So, but since Boston, and uh, again, like I said, with Christians Miami Heat, I can't wait to can't wait to see this. Uh, series in the Boston Celtics performance. All right, Christian, to you, your thoughts on the uh, the Celtics and the Sixers series? Man, that was an interesting one. Um, 
coming into it, I thought like, oh yeah, there's going to be, um, that's series is going to be like the series of the East and my, you know, going to be lifetime playoff favorite to reach the East. Even though I love my Miami Heat, it's a struggle sometimes. And not going after free agents and kind of keeping our guys, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So that's my mentality towards that. But Philly and Boston, really back and forth series. Now, Boston's had game, you know, their game five was pitiful. The entire arena booed their own team, which you haven't seen in a long time. And Philadelphia, I wouldn't say that they didn't show up. I would just say they didn't play their best. And Philadelphia, and especially Doc Rivers, has been so close into finishing the series and finishing this, uh, finishing like playoff series, and doesn't get the job done. Did it in the Clippers, did it with Boston, did, does it now with Philadelphia. They're just not passing the Eastern Conference semis. They haven't passed that in a very long time. Now, is it the coaching? Is it the star power? Is it this? Is it that? Depending on who the team they played. Because we beat them last year. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can say whose fault it is. And they're not showing up. They just didn't play great. And that's the thing. These guys are human. I understand this is their only thing. This is where they're being paid millions and millions of dollars. But at the exact same time, so are the other five guys on the other side of the court. LeBron James. We have talked about this before. LeBron James had a finals game where he scored six daggum points. And four of them were in the first half. Like, you scored. He's a human. He's a human. Joel Embiid, yes. As the star, he should score more than 15 points. 100%. James Harden. Did not play great in Game 7. Not saying they didn't show up, just things didn't go their way. We would say the exact same thing if the roles were reversed. Oh, Boston didn't want to show up. Oh, Jason Tatum is terrible. Or Jason Brown just didn't care. I'm not that kind of guy. These guys are human. Now, yes, could they play better? Better? Yes. Was the season a failure? Not really. It... it to be as far as you can get to the Eastern Conference semis, it's very successful. Now, yes, how sport fans and how the media is going to take it, if you don't win the championship, you're failed. Right? That's how these fans think. But if you're getting close, if you had an opportunity, then I don't think it's a failed year. You're getting better some way. New you learn something new every single time you get on the court. So for Boston, it was great. They really turned it on uh, these last two games. Jason Tatum scoring 51 points, even though there was a, you know, there's a person in this podcast that does not believe Jason Tatum is the best player on Boston Celtics team that I hope shows it, shows it. But I still do believe that Boston is right now one of the better teams in the NBA, and they got they got a handful against my Miami Heat. I'll be a Skip Bayless here saying they're my Miami Heat, but it's going to be a tough series. Spencer and I are going to possibly talk some trash every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday 
every other day and saying, oh, Boston's playing terrible, Miami's playing terrible. I'm actually going to go buy in. Like, I'm going to watch my Miami Heat hopefully be the Boston Celtics and go into the NBA Finals. A little trash talk right now. But for Philadelphia, obviously need to try and figure something out. If the Bucks moved on from Budenhauser, who won an NBA championship recently, Suns want to fire Monty Williams, who's been to an NBA final championship game recently. Philadelphia, I think you got to cut ties with Doc Rivers. Everybody's doing it. It's a copycat league in NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL. Every single league is a copycat off of each other. Philadelphia is next for letting Doc go and seeing what's out there. So it'd be very interesting to see a former Eastern coach, like maybe a Nick Nurse or a Budenhoser, if they want to coach, come into that situation. Or a Monty, who knows. But uh, Philadelphia, you know, they failed. You know, I was going to say failed again. They did not. They were not able to reach the Eastern Conference final. Eastern Conference Finals. Boston did. Let's just see what the odds-on favorite takes on the least odds-on favorite in Miami Heat, who's plus fifteen hundred in betting. Which ah, uh, we'll take those odds. We'll take those odds. Final Four. I'm proud of it. So Spencer, let's play ball. Can't wait. Oh, oh yeah. But we, before we dive into uh, that series, though, we do have a series out west that we need to preview. And that is the one-seeded Denver Nuggets, the seven-seeded Lakers. I mean, gosh, we never have seen a team that was in the play-in tournament win a series. And now we have two in the conference finals and very well could be the finals um, if, you know, upsets happen. Again, again Lakers-Nuggets is not your typical one-in-seven matchup. Um uh, you know, if memory serves, I don't know if we've ever had a seven seed even in the conference finals. I need to look that. I would need to look that in a second here. Um, like I said, another eight seed. We've had two in the conference finals before the uh, New York Knicks. Lakers might be the first seven seed in the conference finals. And you got a different Nuggets team led by two-time MVP Nikola Jokic. And I've been kind of on this again. I picked before. Uh, the playoffs started. I did say the Grizzlies because I was buying into that hype, even though there were so many factors. I should not have picked the Grizzlies to win that series. But, oh, well, Nuggets was my West runner-up. Like, I had the Nuggets making the conference finals. I thought their row was pretty easy. Uh, it showed, like, Timberwolves. Uh, even though the Suns made it kind of interesting. Again, that's just that. Uh, but I made the comparison to Giannis. Giannis wins two MVPs back-to-back. And then the next year, he's not the MVP winner, but they make a run and they win the NBA title. Like, I don't know if Jokic will get it done here, um, but if they advance, I do think they'll beat the Lakers, though. And I think it will be done in six. I don't think it goes to seven, because in seven, I think anything can happen. You got LeBron James on the other side there. In LeBron in a game seven, home or on the road, I am going to take LeBron in a game seven more often than not. Um, this could also be like, you know, kind of a, uh, passing of the torch a little bit to a Nikola Jokic. He's had some regular season success with the MVP. These two, again, actually both series are rematches of the bubble final four from 2020. Um, but like it, the Lakers just dominate that series a couple years ago. I do think Denver gets it done. I think they jump out. They take both games at home. 
Would not be totally shocked, though, if the Lakers win, but I think Denver goes up 2-0. Um, I think they probably still game on the road there. Game five might go differently. Um, but either way, I think Denver is the better team here. I think top to bottom there, you got Jokic, you got Jamal Murray. Again, both teams, you know, they're in the conference semifinals, or conference finals, excuse me. They both deserve to be there. Uh, but give me, like I said, Nuggets in six games there. And I think Denver advances to their first ever NBA Finals. Uh, Dalton, to you next, Nuggets and Lakers. How do you see that series going down? I see the Lakers winning this in six games, and here's why. Um, you know, we talk, I, I mentioned earlier that they, you know, the Lakers, um, since the trade deadline, they've, you know, made pretty good moves, or played pretty good moves defensively, and, you know, I, I like their style of play. Um, and I think Denver is pretty much like a mirror image of that. But instead of, I guess, like they both, you know, pass the ball really well and play really good defense. The coaches are making really good adjustments as well. So, I mean, I figure, I figure, of course, uh, the Lakers got to take one game in Denver at least. They got to take one game, um, before going back to Los Angeles. Uh, and I just think when it comes down to it that LeBron and uh, Davis and Anthony Davis, um, gonna find a way to get it done. Um, and Darvin, um, after the trade deadline, the Lakers seem like a way different. Uh, and, you know, they have a certain way to win, and I just feel like they'll be able to do it. That's for, you know, but now also on the other side, would it shock? One it in six or one it in five or one it in seven? No, no, it wouldn't. Okay, they they were a top, they're the top seed in the Western Conference. They, you know, I just, I just talked to, I talked about them earlier and gave them all this stuff. So no, it wouldn't shock me, but I'm Lakers to advance to the, to the NBA finals and I'm going to take them to beat the Nuggets in six games. That's just my pick. And that's just what I think is going to happen. All right. Before I go give it to Christian, I have done a little bit of research in that uh, time period. 1987 Seattle Supersonics, the only other time he's seven seed, has reached the conference finals. That Supersonics team was swept by the by the uh, the Lakers team that ended up going to win the title that year over Boston. Um, so a little bit of history there. The second time ever for a seven seed and an eight seed in the conference finals there. Uh, so I'm sorry for that derailment there. Just want to clarify that um, fact there. Nuggets, Lakers, Christian, how do you see this one going down? I am going to see it kind of the opposite way. I think Denver is more – I think they're more of a, a complete unit. L.A. is playing the basketball at the, at the right time. They're playing their best at the right time. Where Denver, they have been focused on just beating the next team that's up. Phoenix has – three superstars and one very good player and it took them to six right they pretty much handily 
handled uh, Minnesota. And with the Lakers, yes, they have, you know, many people's opinions, second best player of all time in LeBron James, very good player in Anthony Davis, great rotation player with D'Angelo Russell. They have great weapons on that L.A. team. But Denver, I think they're more focused. I think they understand for the last couple of years they've been close, but because of an injury or because, you know, of games not going their way, they have failed to reach that mountaintop. I believe they look at the Lakers and, like, this is a historic franchise with historic players, you know, bona fide Hall of Famers on their squad. They need to make an impact, and I think they will. I don't think it's going to be easy. I'm going to personally take the Nuggets in seven. I think this is going to be a tremendous series. I think LeBron is playing for about his legacy. I think Denver, they are, you know, Jokic and the squad are playing to make Denver more than just a really good team, a finals contender. We always say, okay, Denver's going to make it, but are they going to be the champions? Denver, I think, is focused. I think they're determined. I think their eyes are on the prize, and they have to go through the Kings of L.A., go through the Kings of the NBA, and they got past the Lakers in order to succeed in what they want to do. So I got the Nuggets 7. I think it's going to be a great series. It's not going to be an easy series at all for any team. So I get the Nuggets winning this one. Yeah, that, again, should be a fun series. Every game in that series on the ESPN family and networks, either ESPN, uh, there's, I think, one game, game threes on ABC. Uh, but, yeah, check your local listings for that series. The Eastern Conference Finals, all the games this year on TNT. Um, and, again, if you're new to the podcast then this is a little fun fact for you guys out there. If you're a day one listener, you may know notice this. You know this. We've been doing this podcast since 2020, right when sports came back. Uh, Christian was not one of our but he joined the fold shortly after when the NFL season came along. In that span, since we started this podcast, we've had four NBA conference finals, four NBA basically seasons. We had the bubble season. And then three full seasons now. Three of the four years we've been doing this podcast, we have had a Celtics Heat conference finals. It's got contentious at times. We had the Heat win the very first year we were doing this podcast. Uh, just a few months in, the Heat made the NBA finals. We had last year's Celtics finals run. And again, we've been friends for a, a long time. But we've now had three out of four years we've been doing this podcast, Christian, where our teams are in the conference finals. How about that? That, that's incredible, and that just shows how great these cultures are in Boston and Miami. These franchises are breaded on championships or getting into that championship picture. And like Miami, my team was kind of dead in the water. Not a lot of teams, not a lot of people thought they were going to be good, and they've outshined it all. So it just gives credit that Boston and Miami are just the two best teams in the East right now on a franchise uh, culture level in the franchises out east. Yeah. Again, last year, again, in 2020, like I said, the Heat win it. Uh, they just dominated that series. Last year came down to game seven in Miami because Miami was the one seed last year, and Boston gets it done there. 
Uh, we'll throw a little curveball here. Don't you have no dog in the fight this year? How do you see uh, in this series? I mean, how do you see Celtics and Heat going down, Dalton? Great question. Um, I have the uh, Miami Heat winning this uh, series in six games, and actually made this prediction before the Celtics played their game seven. Uh, so I just I made it on a Saturday morning and I was like, I don't care who wins the Celtics and Philly series. I'm going to take Miami just because. Um, no, I mean, well, yes, I that actually did happen, but. I'm going to talk a little bit more about why I feel like the Boston and Philly series was a good example to me that pretty much if if Boston, if they let them in, if they let Miami in just a little bit, if they open the door just a crack, I I feel like, I feel like Miami's going to take advantage. Miami seems like the type of team and we've seen this with we saw this with the with the Bucks series, we saw this with this with the last series that they played. They'll take advantage of whatever it is that you don't do well. And so you saw the first game in the in the Bucks series, Giannis didn't play. Miami took advantage. Okay. They took advantage of that entire series from then on. The they, the Bucks just were not the same team. And then this last series that Miami played, the Knicks, and just we saw them. They had to win it in six games, and the Knicks hadn't won in Miami at all for that entire series. Miami took advantage. The Knicks couldn't win on the road. So they won at their own place. And so I feel like for Boston, it's going to be very, very crucial that they check off every single box that they need to in terms of really, really giving it to Miami. If they want to have a chance to win this series and make it to the NBA Finals. I feel like Miami's playing with house money right now. They're the eighth seed. Okay, Christian said it perfectly. They're not supposed to be there. Okay, I feel like the pressure is all on Boston to for them for them to get it done. They made it to the NBA Finals last year. The guess and most people would assume make it back to the NBA Finals this year. Miami's not supposed to be there, so I said it before and I'll say it again. They're playing with house money, so I I feel like they they don't have any pressure, and I think Miami is the heat are more dangerous when there is no pressure because Jimmy Butler can just play Bam can just play Struss can just play Vincent and their coach Eric Spolstra can just coach he is made he is one of the best coaches I figure in the league at making adjustments and we've seen it this entire playoffs Okay, I picked against Miami, and they proved me wrong, and I'm not doing that. 
I'm not doing that here. So I've taken the my six, and it'll be a rematch of the 2020 NBA Finals. All righty. So I am going to go a little differently there. I'm going completely different. I'm going Celtics, but I'm going seven. Uh, I believe that was what exactly what I said last year was Celtics and seven. And that's what happened. I mean, I think last year those two teams were very evenly matched. Um, and it, it showed. Like you had last year you had rookie head coach Ime Udoka take it on Eric Spostra. And Spostra was able to capitalize because he's just a great X's and O's coach, great coach overall in everything. But Boston had the talent. They tried to choke it away in game seven last year on the road, which would have infuriated me. I still think Jimmy Butler hits that shot every time it goes up. Uh, even though I know he misses it. And there were times last series where Doc Rivers, who's been, I know he's been around a lot longer in the coaching profession than Joe Mazzula, who's only 34 years old. Again, rookie head coach because of the situation he was thrown into. But Doc Rivers was out coaching Joe at times this year. And I'm fully expecting uh, Eric Spostra to out coach Coach Circles around Joe Mazzula this series. And just throwing different matchups or rotations or stuff that, you know, he just is not expecting just because it comes with, you know, being a young and inexperienced head coach who's only, you know, previous head coaching experience was at the D2 level um, a few years ago. Before, I mean, he's been in the G League, he's been around on the NBA benches. But again, Joe Mazzula is in a tough situation here. I do think they'll get it done just because Tatum and Brown is one of the best duos in the league there. Even though Hero may come back this series, um, again, Jimmy Butler's fantastic. Kevin Love, he knows what it takes to win an NBA title, get to the NBA Finals. I saw a stat. He's never lost the Eastern Conference playoffs because every year he made it with Cleveland, he had LeBron by his side. He made the Finals. He never made the playoffs without LeBron before this year when he gets bought out, goes to Miami. Minnesota never made the playoffs at all in Minnesota. So Love's a playoff. He has success. Even though you know, his numbers may not show it this run, he knows what it takes to get it done in the playoffs. Uh, Gabe Vincent, you know, Duncan Robinson, you know, Duncan was a big piece of the 2020 bubble run. Last year kind of fell out of the rotation a bit. Um, Max Struess, he's been phenomenal the last couple of years. So okay, I will not count Miami out. I said it before the play-in. Miami worries me a bit. First round, Miami had the one. I would have said Suttis and six, because I know Jimmy Butler's taking a game or two. I've seen two rounds of Miami. They look really good. It's going to be a game seven, I think. And I'm going to be, you know, you know, just like last year, I'm going to be worried about that game going in, because even though Boston's a better team, you know, record says so and everything, Miami's just very physical, and they'll muck it up, and they'll make it a lot more competitive than anyone probably thinks it should be. And but again, I, I can't pick against Boston. Give me season seven. Uh, Dalt, or Christian, excuse me. Uh, I know you picked against your Heat the first two rounds. Are you going to continue that trade of picking against your boys? Now, I may. So, I picked against them, and they won. And if the, I pick, if I pick for them, they may lose, which I will say on this podcast, and I will just do this future. If Miami's in the playoffs, I'm just gonna go against them always. Um, I'm gonna go Miami. I gotta go my boys here. Like 
we have done super well. And I, I can see us running out of gas a little bit. We won some, you know, high-scoring games against Milwaukee and then kind of, you know, dwindled on against the Knicks. Won, but we still dwindled. So the fact that, you know, both Boston and Miami have been through the grinder of these series, I think they're both not at 100%. So I think Miami has a chance. I don't think it's a great one. It's the dumb and dumber. You're telling me we have a chance. I think we have a small chance of beating the Boston Celtics. And if we're in the NBA Finals, oh, Lordy, that's going to be fun. So I am going to go Miami in seven. If Miami wins, period, I'll be super fine with that. Um, you know, if they make it competitive, if not, if they're not swept or gentlemen swept, I'm good. Uh, and I want a game seven. So because Spencer and I off the podcast have been talking like, we got to clear our schedule to meet on Monday night and watch either his Celtics blow it or my heat uh, coming from an eight seat to NBA finals. So I can't wait for it, but I'm going to go with my boys and it may be a bad decision. Yeah. No, again, this is what I think this is what we did last year. Last year we unintentionally were watching game seven together and it was fun. Again, it's a Monday night in a couple weeks. Should there be a game seven? Uh, but we will definitely do something that we can to get together and try to watch that game, even though it is 8.30 start time for every single game this series. Uh, a little bit late there. Uh, lastly, on the NBA side of things, another unfortunate situation. John Morant just keeps coming with a lot of a controversy. Uh, you would think he learned his lesson last year, like when a few months ago when he was suspended, kind of indefinitely after, you know, flashing a gun on Instagram Live at a Colorado nightclub. Um, you know, there's been, there's multiple instances that came to public light there. Um, you know, John went to a facility in Florida, you know, trying to, you know, handle stress, anxiety, well-being, etc. It all seems like when you do what you just did, and again, John Morant, for those that are unaware, just a few days ago, was shown in a car with a friend uh, on Instagram Live again, and he just whips out a gun, like kind of a, it looks like a handgun. It looked like from the video, um, and just kind of whips it out there. And his friend kind of, if you look at it, kind of shoves the video down, like, "Hey, like you can't be doing that." Like he kind of was maybe looking out for his friend's well-being there. Um, he's been suspended from team activities, especially off-season, so. Like, nothing's going on. But, like, Woj was reporting, I believe, on NBA Countdown before the Celtics Sixers game yesterday that there's going to be a, a double-digit game suspension next year. Like, Gilbert Arenas back in, like, 07, 06, whenever that incident ha- happened, he got a very lengthy suspension. You're now a repeat offender through John Morant here. Uh, you know, a few months ago, you had this incident happen. You met with Commissioner Silver. Uh, you went to counseling, or at least we thought you did, and maybe he didn't just learn nothing from there, which, again, he's a 23-year-old man. I'm not going to say kid because he's our age. You know, he's 23. He's due a contract extension, or he's, he signed an extension. He's due all this money. Uh, he was just last year second-team All-NBA, so he's considered a top-10 player, top-four guard in the NBA based off you know, if you want to go with the all NBA standings there was most improved player of the year 
just last year. It was rookie of the year in 2020, all rookie team. He's had almost everything's gone according to plan until this year. And it's dangerously close to getting himself uh get. It's dangerous if he keeps going down this path. It could cost him his career, could potentially cost him his life if he doesn't watch out for himself there. And it's sad to see that this is happening, you know, twice in a two or three month span there. And, you know, you gotta hope that he gets, you know, the help he needs. He learns his lesson. Cause I, I just I don't want to see anyone go down this road. Especially, you know, I don't want to say because it's like this guy's talented. So we, you know, we're looking out at him differently because he's in the public figure. It's like, I don't want anyone to go down the road that he's about to do that with this, you know, uh, you know, for like whatever fake gangster stuff that he's trying to go. Because it's like, you didn't grow up in this lifestyle. There's some athletes I know that have grown up in a rough lifestyle and they get to the league and they get out of that lifestyle. It just seems like he's going to the wrong path here. And it's going to derail not just his career. You know, Memphis, they've been building towards a lot. They're owing him like $33 million next year because that's what the extension was he signed. And like I said, I hope he just learns his lesson and we can move past this. But he is going to be facing suspension next year uh, for probably double-digit games, if I had to guess there. Uh, Chris, I'll go to you next here. Uh, your thoughts on the John Morant newest controversy that is ensuing I think this is a shame. I think it's a shame for him and a lot of people kind of have egg on their face. When this happened before, you know, a lot of team, a lot of organizations, excuse me, had their, had jobs back, had, you know, it was Nike, Powerade, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies had his back. The NBA was like, you know what, this is not right, so we're going to suspend you, but you know, go get treatment, go get therapy, and come out as a better man from this situation. And then, you know, when you come back, you're going to be better than ever, getting out of that lifestyle and just being overall better, as a better human being. And the fact that he came out and apologized, you know, apologized on social media saying, this won't happen again, I'm a new man, and it's on someone else's Instagram live, and you still do it. Now, credit to his buddy, where it's like the second he sees the gun, he puts his phone away and it's like, dude, you're about to screw, about to screw up. And of course, everyone can stop the second they see the gun and John Morant, and he's gonna get punished for that. And people are talking about, well, the Memphis controversy with Dylan Brooks, they got a lot more drama behind the scenes with Jaw more than Dylan Brooks when his fiasco uh, in the first round series against the Lakers. So Memphis is in a tough situation because John Morant is obviously a superstar. He is their superstar. He's one of the best players in the NBA out West. And Memphis is probably going to be out the, you know, half a season or maybe even a full season without their top player. So it to me, it's a shame because he's he says one thing and he does another thing. Not the biggest hypocrite kind of guy, but you're going back on your word and you're just saying, oh yeah, I apologize, even though you're continuing this lifestyle, 
that's not something you should do or you know show out in public when there have been organizations that have said we trust we trust draw he's gonna be he's gonna make better decisions and he does something like this so this is a little my rant of the episode I just don't like hypocrites and I don't like guys who are gonna be like yes you know I did mess up but do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So hopefully Jaw actually does get serious help and he does figure out a way to change his ways because there's stuff of him going into fights uh, with teenagers and pickup games and all that stuff. I don't know any of that drama. But, you know, when you're an NBA, when you're a professional athlete, your life gets microscoped. 20, 30, 40 times more than a guy like us, right? Guys who aren't in the public guy and no one's really going to care what we do. You're one of the top superstars in the NBA. You do something, that, you know, there's going to be a bleacher report about it. There's going to be ESPN article on it. Everything, Everyone's going to watch you. So hopefully he actually does change his ways and actually learns this time however long he's suspended, whether it's, you know, like I mentioned, half a season, whole season, you know, just another stop on a wrist, like 16 games, however long it's going to be, he needs to learn his lesson this time and actually understand that he is the face of the Memphis Grizzlies and he has a lot of responsibility on his plate. All right. Uh, Dahl, anything you want to add on the uh, latest in the John Morant uh, career, dude. You know that's the thing. I I I really don't understand with these professional athletes and you know what's going on. I mean, we can let's go to the whole thing that he's trying to portray here. Like I don't. It did. It didn't. Be, like didn't grow up and he like did not grow up in his gangster lifestyle. Like I don't. Why you show people that you're like that when you're not actually like that? That'd be like me who has not grown up in the gangster lifestyle going down and pretending and basically trying to show that I'm now a gangster. Now, does that make any sense? No. No, it doesn't make any sense. It's dangerous. And if, especially for somebody like him who has a lot of money coming his way, I'm talking millions of dollars, that's just dangerous, dude. You're going to attract the wrong crowd, and, you know, then you might get sucked up into it, and then you're not going to be playing a role anymore. You're actually going to be in it know if jaw actually wants to be in it um it just it doesn't make any sense to me uh the first time okay you made a mistake the second time dude that's on you you knew that it was wrong the first time and yet you go and do it again really are you serious 23 years old 23 years old Legally, he is an adult, and so he should be able to make his own decisions. 
right and wrong. He should know the difference. This, guys, there's no excuse. No excuse. Zero. He's a professional athlete. He does. He's supposed to carry himself as such. Okay, LeBron does it. All these other stars, Devin Booker does it. You don't hear anything about guns with that guy. Um, Chris Paul, when he was really in his prime and stardom, those are just a couple examples. Okay, these stars uh, carry themselves as such, and they do so without attracting bad publicity like these gun incidents and all the other stuff. That's just baggage, dude. And from a team organization perspective, that's not attractive. We've seen it in the past. You get suspended, and then suspensions lead to releases. And guess what? You're out of a job because you decided that it would be cool to do this, 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 and this off the court instead of being the complete opposite and showing that you're mature enough to be able to handle the money, the fame, blank, the I can, uh, you know, etc. I don't know. Some people just don't learn. That's just the nature of it. Okay. Like, I don't, like, I really don't understand it. I, I really don't. Okay. I, I cut him some slack for the first one. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's really the same thing. So I'm, I'm cutting zero slack. It's zero. Like, I don't, I don't, I think I mentioned this in the past, but, and I think I talked to somebody that I knew maybe a day or two days ago about this as well. You become what your what your city is. So, like, Memphis, Tennessee is a very dangerous city. There's lots of stuff going on over there. I have heard it from people who are from Memphis. I've heard it from, I've you know, looked it up on the internet, and yada, yada, yada. Memphis, Tennessee is a very dangerous city. Jaw did not have any problems coming out of Murray State. Zero. I don't know, guys. Maybe I didn't look up. Look, I didn't. Maybe I didn't do my homework enough. But I don't recall Jaw having any things here, like some gun incidents coming out of Murray State. Am I wrong? I don't think so. Exactly. So the fact that he's now doing this, I think a trade might be in question. Uh, I think more stability might be in question, and I feel like also from an from like an organization standpoint, I don't know if anybody is willing to like pull Jaw aside and actually like I feel like that would start with the coach and the GM and like the front office people, but it seems to me that they'll only do suspensions. Like oh, that'll solve the problem. Really? Okay. Yeah, it seems like it solved the problem. It really has. No, it definitely hasn't. It definitely hasn't. 
I think it's just a whole crapshoot. Like, it's just the, the whole situation and anything regarding the Mifflis Grizzlies up until this point is just bad, bad PR. It's just all bad. Nothing. You have the Dylan Brooks stuff, and then following this, uh, following that with this jaw stuff that just keeps on coming. I mean, dude, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And the Grizzlies are supposed to be this young, up-and-coming team. Like, everybody loves a young and up-and-coming team. Yeah, when they do what they're supposed to do and they don't have bad, bad PR off the court. All right, Whatever. thank you. <laughs> thank you for that, Dalton. Uh, so that's going to wrap up our NBA segment again. We are recording this the day before the N- NBA draft lottery. Uh, so we have no clue who wins the lottery and gets to potentially select Victor Wimbanyama. Uh, but we will um, we will discuss that on next week's episode. A lottery we do know, and I omitted it from last week's episode accidentally, in the NHL, the Blackhawks won the NHL draft lottery. Uh, the right to select Connor Bedard, the likely to win overall pick this year. Uh, Bedard set a lot of records in juniors this past year, breaking records held by a guy you may know, Sidney Crosby, which when I didn't know anything about NHL, I knew the name Sidney Crosby. I knew he was good. Him and Ovechkin were the two names I knew before I even started following hockey that closely. Um, so there's that there. The Blackhawks, NHL lottery winners this year. Into the playoffs, we've had some, um, you know, some very – Fascinating series. I think last week when we recorded, Florida had advanced. Uh, they took game five in overtime. Uh, they're continuing their dream season. Carolina Hurricanes, they've advanced. They won that series in five. Vegas taking out Edmonton in six games. Um, I believe it was 2-2 last time we talked. Uh, they took 4-3 in game five, 5-2 five, in game six. And then... Um, Actually, while we were recording, Game 7 of the Stars in Kraken series was in progress here. Uh, the Stars, you know, they let they were trailed the series 2-1. to one. Actually, Kraken took Game 1. They took Game 3 to go up 2-1. Um, the Stars then win two straight, go up 3-2. Seattle forces a Game 7. And then I got to give a credit to Jake Ottinger, the goalie for the Dallas Stars here, 24 years old. Uh, game 7... You're playing, um, in you know, on your home ice there. And they, they you know, Ottinger had a hell of a game there. He gave up one goal very late in the game when it was a uh, empty netter for the Kraken. So they were playing a six-on-five advantage there. And they punched one through. Uh, Ottinger had a hell of a series there. I think Dallas might be the team to beat there. Uh, they advanced. So you have Dallas and Vegas, two teams with, uh, you know, you know, coaches that have been around the league, um, but coaches new to the uh, current team there, including a very interesting factor here. Uh, again, a little intriguing if you're not super familiar with hockey, if you need a reason to, you know, maybe invest your time or get into this. Dallas is coached by a guy named Peter DeBoer, who just last season was coaching Vegas, and Vegas fired him when they missed the playoffs there. Um, you know, he... he, he DeBoer took over late in the COVID season before the suspension. He leads them to the conference finals his first two years. You know, is you know the year he takes over, the shortened year, and then his first full year they missed the playoffs entirely. And like I said, NHL has a very short leash. 
He is pulled. He's fired last year. DeBoer goes to Dallas. A Dallas team that was in the cup final not too long ago either. Um, in fact, so yeah, he joins Dallas, who made the cup final in 2020. And now he's taking on his former club there. Another interesting storyline, Bruce Cassidy. He was with Boston for uh, six seasons there, including one Stanley Cup final loss in 19 there. Uh, Boston elected to fire him last season after they lost in the first round. Again, a move that I was not very – I didn't necessarily agree with at the time. Boston brought in Jim Montgomery. They set the record for points in the regular season. They flamed out in the first round, and now their former coach is in the conference finals taking on Dallas with a chance to go to the uh, Stanley Cup finals again. So there's that. You have Florida Panthers on the other side here, who led by Paul Maurice, who was a longtime coach for the Winnipeg Jets, a Panthers team that last year won the President's Trophy for best record, elected not to bring back their coach because they had to fire their first coach because he was associated with the Blackhawks and the whole scandals that went down with them uh, in the 2010s. They... You know, the interim coach wins the President's Trophy. They don't bring him back. They go out higher, Paul Maurice. They're in the conference finals. And you've got Carolina led by Rod Brindamore, who's been there for some time as the head coach. They even played there at one point. So it's going to be a very fascinating, I think, Stanley Cup playoffs here. Uh, If you get put me on the spot to give a prediction here, I'm going to go Dallas takes down Vegas. I'm going to go that and Six games there. And then, man, Florida's just been on fire this year. Uh, I do think the run comes in. I think Carolina in five. Give me that. So Dallas in seven, Carolina in five. Uh, that is my prediction for the Stanley Cup playoff. And we'll see how that goes. So on to Dalton. Racing. What's going on in the world of racing? Yeah, dude, we uh, had a couple races this past weekend. It's not going to be as long of a segment as it was last week. Of course, I had to cover the Kentucky Derby uh, for our local listeners. Um, But as I predicted, uh, and actually not very impressive because I've said this for, I don't know, since our racing segment started this year, Red Bull is just far and away better than everybody else. But Max Verstappen has won the uh, Crypto.com Miami Grand Prix. Um, that happened on the 7th. Uh, there. Um, and, uh, you know, if I had to take a guess, I felt like I feel like this weekend on the 21st uh, at Qatar, uh, I feel like Sergio Perez is going to win that race. So it's just going to, they're just going to go back and forth and uh, it's not even going to be a competition at this point. Um, you know, everybody else is just racing for a second um, in, in terms of uh, actually technically racing for third, because I feel like Max and Sergio are just interchangeable at one and two. Um, I think, let me see. I feel like there's more. Let's go ahead and go to the standings real quick. Um, oh, by the way, uh, you can watch the guitar race uh, at 9 a.m. on ESPN2 if you're up at that point. So, by means, go for it. But, I mean, if you don't like watching F1, then 
it and just turn it on. Um, our standings here, we'll go with the drivers first and then the constructors or the teams. Um, Max Verstappen has 119 points. Sergio Perez has 105. Fernando Alonso with 75. And Lewis Hamilton with 56. And Carlos Sainz with 44. Um, to the constructor standings, Red Bull is leading all teams with 224 points. Uh, number two is Aston Martin with 102 points. And number three is Mercedes with 96. Yeah, pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, pretty, pretty chalk when it comes to this, uh, this sport. So I'm going to move to NASCAR now. Uh, and try to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, this past race was in Darlington, uh, Darlington, South Carolina, which can be a very, very, uh, interesting race, uh, they say it's one of the most unforgiving races uh, due to its tight turns and sort of like that. Um, but so I think, yeah, man, hell of a race. Excuse me. Heck of a race. Um, Byron avoided the wreck between Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson on the restart, six laps from the end, and held on to win the Goodyear 400 in overtime at Darlington Raceway on Sunday, according to an ESPN article uh, that I found on my laptop. Um, so, good for Will Byron. Uh, and you know, Chastain, he just can't seem to keep his name out of the news. Huh? He just can't seem to keep his name out of the news. Well, Chastain did have a good race. He's leading for the majority, I'm sure. And, you know, it, he also did have a good, uh, car. Uh, it was UPS. So I guess go UPS from that standpoint. I'm never saying those words ever again. Um, but yeah, dude, the track deemed too to tame. So the fact that Will Byron was able to win at Darlington uh, says a lot about their team and being able to squeak one out. Um, let's go ahead and go to the results. I kind of want to, you know, see uh, who came in behind. Um, so Will Byron in first. Um, in second, Chase Elliott in third, Brad Keselowski in fourth, Bubba Wallace in fifth. Um, other notables, my personal favorite, Kyle Busch in seventh. Um, Denny Hamlin in twelfth. 
And last year's champ, Joey Logano, finished in 18th. Uh, to the re the standings before I tell you what the next upcoming race is. Uh, just off points, so still standing. Uh, is Ross Chastain at number one? Um, and so he's got four hundred twenty nine points, five top fives, six top tens. Uh, number who finished in second, Christopher Bell, uh, currently uh, in the standings. That is, uh, he's got 402 points. Uh, Kevin Harvick, last full season for this guy. I don't know how many weeks I have to say it, but I'm going to continue to say it regardless, and I guess you all are going to have to love it. Um, he's got 400 points sitting at third right now. Uh, Denny Hamlin. Uh, is in fourth right now with 393. And then Will Byron uh, finishing out the top five in the standings with 387 points. Uh, just from a playoff perspective, so the top 16 drivers advance the playoff, which means that Alex Bo and Chase Briscoe in 16th, those are the two drivers this week dancing on the line should we see some changes after next week's race that will be you know we'll just have to see but i feel like there we change it i mean all it takes is for one good driver to have one good race and it'll just switch everything up so it's uh you know we'll see how it goes going to the schedule what we have upcoming uh, the, we have the all-star open race that is going to be, uh, this weekend at North Speedway, which is sort of a, uh, I guess kind of like a retro, um, kind of like a fun sort of thing. We've reached the equivalent, I feel like of like the all-star break and like every other sport. Um, and then right after that, they're going to Charlotte on the 28th. So, if you want to watch the All-Star Race, go for it. If you don't, again, I really don't care regardless. Um, I'm sure you have other stuff to do, but whatever. Um, May 21st on FS1, the Open Race is at 5.30, and then the um, All-Star Race uh, is at 8 p.m. So, two races on the 21st. And then I will cover the uh, next race uh, at Charlotte um, Motor Speedway. I will cover that on next episode's pod. Or next, yeah. Yeah, that sounded wrong, but I'm going to leave it there. Um, yeah, man, really cool. Uh, I just can't wait to see what's up next and uh, see how this takes out because uh, I feel like there's a lot of good drivers that are racing really well right now, Kyle Larson being one of them, uh, and you know a few others. Uh, Chastain continues to race well despite rubbing some drivers, pun intended, rubbing some drivers the wrong way. Um, so I, I feel like the end of this season, um, you know, people keep improving, and you know I feel like this. The middle of the season is, but 
towards the end of the season is really something to watch out for uh, as well. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all I got for you. Um, so back to back to you, Spence. All right, thank you for that exciting segment there, Dalton. Um, so that's going to do it for this week's edition of Out of Bounds. Next week, when we come back, uh, we can be we'll definitely hot. Um, you know, draft a lot like I mentioned for the NBA's this week. If there's any coaching hiring, some update on the conference finals. Uh, Dawn's got some more racing information, like he just said there. Um, and again, if you like this episode of Out of Bounds, you made it this far. Uh, feel free to give us a follow subscription on whatever podcasting platform you so choose to listen to us on. Feedbacks always encourage um, from our listeners. And feel free to share it with friends and family. And as always, I am Spencer Brown. Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm Dalton Bishop. And I'm Griffin Ernst. <laughs> so thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.